The fire burned brightly. Pieces of scrap wood, cardboard, old newspapers, plus some broken sections of furniture, had all been piled up and thrown together, in the middle of the grassy area between the houses and bungalows of the small holiday park that was, for now at least, the place they called home. At a safe distance, and to avoid them melting in the heat, green plastic garden chairs had been arranged in something approximating to a semicircle. There were eleven in total, one for each of the human members of the group. None of them were occupied yet. Mac didn't need a chair. He was happy to lie on his side, dangerously close to the flames, and roast his just-filled belly. Bruno, Gary's dog, who had been content to be adopted by his new owners, had joined him in happy repose. Helen looked out of the window. She watched the flames leaping up from the bright, glowing heart of the fire. A single tear rolled down her cheek at the memory of Joseph and the fiery eyes of whatever the hell that thing was that killed him more than a week ago. She wiped it away with the back of her hand, and dried it on the police-issue trousers which she had worn since this whole thing had started. Tonight was not a time for tears. Stephen appeared from the other side of the flames, with a garden rake in his hand. He had lit the fire half an hour earlier, primarily to provide a little heat and light for the assembly. He had also gathered all of the rubbish that they had generated throughout the previous week. He wanted to make sure that it burned, to keep down the possibility of pest invasions. Rats, scampering around the park, seeking easy pickings, was not something he or anybody else wanted to encourage. "'I hate bloody rats,' she thought to herself. The smell of burning plastic permeated the room. She watched as he circled the fire, knocking it down to generate heat rather than flame. Embers glowed brightly for a few seconds as they were exposed to the air, then took on a dull red and orange glow, darkening all of the time as the outer surface was consumed by the heat and turned to ash. Sparks flew into the air, floating away like tiny, fiery butterflies on the cold breeze, then dying to black, and drifting slowly to the ground, marking their landing-places with dark, sooty smudges. One long-lived spark floated across in front of her window. She watched as it danced in the air, before it suddenly extinguished with a final flash. The remnants of it floated away, landing with a tiny black puff of dust on the grass in front of Gary's house. Gary. She had thought about him a lot in the last week. When the rest of her fellow survivors had reached his house, she was inside on her knees, cradling his dead body. It had taken Stephen and Dave half an hour of patient persuasion to get her to let him go, and to leave the tiny form of his unborn fetus with him. They promised that they would take good care of them both. Eventually she had agreed. They had only met just a few days earlier, but they had bonded, purely as friends, and she had great respect for what Gary had confided in her about the journey he was on, and the reasons for it. When she had raised herself up, she turned to go out into the early evening air, but her way had been blocked by Jack Bowyer. She stood in front of him, her eyes boring into his. "'You bastard!' was all she had said before she punched him on the jaw. He went down as if someone had cut his legs from under him. She had watched him fall before she walked out of the front door, holding and shaking her right hand to try and get the pain in it to subside.' 